0: Hey, good morning, New Life Downtown, can you stand? All right, if you hear my voice, clap once. If you hear my voice, clap twice. All right, so you hear my voice, stop talking. All right. Hey, so I want to start off with something funny, because that's just how I am. All right, what's the only vegetable that's allowed to participate in church? Lettuce. Somebody's always saying, let us pray. Go ahead and delete that off the screen. <laughs> hey, my name is Ken. I'm the pastor of Recovery here at New Life Downtown. If you're online, we're so very grateful that you tuned in. We're excited that you can uh, to see you come in and join with us. If you're in the house and this is your first time or your second time, welcome to New Life Downtown. We're so grateful that you're here. Amen. 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 So, t- if you're new, we have some uh, digital. Uh, cue cards that are around the church please scan that and let us know you are here or you can meet with one of the pastors back at uh at the welcome center after church also today is a bonus day so if you're new we have new life next following this service Woo! all right and somebody's saying great what's new life next new life next is an opportunity for you to first get free food can you say free food Yeah, yeah, that's always a good price. You get free food, free lunch following this service, and we'll tell you a little bit more about the church, but more importantly, we want to connect with you and get to know you. So that'll be following immediately after this service, and you can contact one of the pastors, and we can help you get there. Um, Yeah, let's do the Lord's Prayer. Is that okay? All right, so I come from a background of what's called call and response, so I'm going to say it, and you repeat after me. We're going to do it a little different today. All right, is that okay? Because I got the mic, so it's okay. All right. <laughs> our, Father our Father who art in heaven. That's weak and sorry. Let's try it again. Our Father who art in heaven. Our art in heaven. Holy, is your name. Holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy, kingdom come. Thy, will, be done. Thy will be done. On earth, On earth. As, it as it is in heaven. Give us today, Give us today our daily bread. God. And forgive us our sins sins. as we forgive those who sinned against us. us. Lead us not into temptation, temptation. but deliver us from evil. evil. All right, say this with some energy. For thine is the kingdom, the the power, the the glory glory, forever forever. and and ever. Let's get ready to worship.
1: This morning, but I invite you, if you're able, to clap your hands with me. We're rejoicing and praising our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is a good God. Amen. Come on, let's sing with Julian together.
2: Lay down my rise. Lay down my life. I will obey all of my pride. focus my eyes away from myself you become great i become this you guys know it listen this up
1: All about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made when it's all about you. It's all about we come before you, Lord. this morning.
3: We stay right here just for a moment in an attitude of worship and prayer. Over the last several weeks and really over the last several months, um, ever since fighting broke out in Ukraine and then recently in Israel and Gaza, we have beheld images and read stories about the cost of war. It's something that everybody can agree on, that war is an incredibly costly thing not just in terms of the finances and economics of a nation, but costly on human hearts and human lives. We see the cost. We know the cost. Yesterday, we observed Veterans Day here, um, and it's the day where we stop and remember the cost of war, that that we know the cost does, for many, mean death. But for so many others, the costs are much more hidden. The cost that serving in military was on their family and on their relationships. The cost of serving in military was on mental or emotional health. The cost of uh, pain that they feel in their body from injuries and wounds that they carry that sometimes we can see and sometimes that we can't. And so what we wanted to do today in this moment is to take a moment to pray for over, over the veterans in a room and ask Jesus to meet them in the midst of the ongoing cost that they feel from their yes to military service. And I invited my friend Matthew Ayers here to pray for us. Matthew is a veteran, and he's also the president CEO of Dream Centers of Colorado Springs, one of our great local outreaches. So Matthew's gonna pray for our veterans in the room today, and he's gonna tell us a little bit about what's going on at Dream Centers uh, since we already have him up here we might as well get a report on that as well but if you're a veteran in the room would you raise your hands when I mean, those around you would you lay your hands on them today uh, as we pray for them and pray uh, that Jesus would meet them in the midst of everything that they carry so let's let's pray together this morning Matthew
4: Jesus thank you God for
3: your very focused
4: love of every individual of everyone in your family And God, you see all the pain, all the sacrifice, the hours spent sometimes a year or more away from families at a time. And so, God, we pray right now that you would restore those days and hours and months and years to these families. God, we thank you for their incredible devotion to serving others, God, for being willing to lay down their lives to serve And, God, that's not just individual veterans' service and commitment. That's their families, and that's their friends. And so, God, would you be with them? Would you create these circles of community around them to strengthen them, to hold up their arms, God, to meet them in their needs when they're lonely, when they're confused, and when they're dealing with the trauma of war? God, would you heal where there needs to be healing? God, would you reach out in those hours alone at night? or with triggers, or whatever it may be, God, that is hurting our veterans. And would you just lay your healing hands on them? God, would you minister to their hearts and show them your deep compassion? God, we pray have mercy on them. God, we pray that you would lead them and guide them with vision and with your love, with your righteousness and with your justice. God, that you would rule and reign in their lives. We're so grateful, God, that there are people willing to make sacrifices for others. God, and that's just a small picture of what you've done for us. So, God, would you be with them? And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.
3: Jesus name. Amen. 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 You may go ahead and be seated while Matthew shares with us about Dream Centers. Thank you, veterans. We love you. Well, it's so good to be here. Let me just say, Jason, first,
4: uh, this is an amazing community, an amazing church family. Um, So before I talk about Dream Centers, uh, for anyone who's maybe more new to New Life Downtown, your willingness to commit to really key outreach in this community that makes generational change and impact is phenomenal. From your work in supporting safe families for children in royal family kids, where we get to take kids who are in foster care, and in foster care families, but they get this amazing week away at camp every year to the work at Mary's home with this two-generational approach. You are really from thousands of families across El Paso County. You're changing lives every day. And so I'm just grateful to be a part of this congregation and it's really amazing to me. So if you haven't heard of any of those things, I I highly encourage you to talk to some of the staff uh, when you get a chance and get plugged in. So one of those things is Dream Centers, and one of our programs, Mary's Home, uh, we get to come alongside families who are experiencing homelessness. So all these families have experienced trauma. Um, all of these families have experienced complex trauma and chronic stress. And so we get this beautiful facility uh, east of downtown where we take care of families from anywhere from a year to four years. And uh, you, you've probably heard of the story in Luke 18 of the persistent widow. And uh, real quick, just a couple quick stories. Our very first resident ever was exactly like that. And she was uh, to the point where we were trying to get just basic construction done on this remodel for the building. And every day she was knocking on our door uh, as she walked to work. And um, she ended up being our first resident uh, with her child. And today is happily living, kids thriving, back in touch, restored relationships with foster family, living in the South. And then those stories, 80 more like that, have happened in the past eight years. And it's really phenomenal what you've been able to do, just sowing into the ministry of Dream Center. So let me me just read to you. Uh, It's much better when you hear the words from residents uh, themselves. Uh, I received a donated vehicle back in 2021, and it has significantly impacted my life in a positive way. The vehicle I received was a huge blessing in my life, making it possible to be independent I'm able to safely get myself and son to -to day-to-day appointments and activities. I don't know what I would do without this vehicle. I've been making sure to keep it taken care of with routine maintenance. The vehicle was in great shape when I received it, and hopefully will last me a good while to get me through college. I'm so thankful for this huge blessing. And that came from New Life Downtown, from a family here. So um, we're, we're absolutely absolutely grateful and just blown away by God's love and what he does when you take a bunch of volunteers and some congregations, the church in the city, to come alongside these families and create an environment of love and hope and support where there was only despair before. And the healing is real. So I would encourage you, if you have a chance to get involved financially, do that. But I'll be in the back, straight back at the table after the service where you can find out about great volunteer opportunities. And I'll just mention a couple right now is drivers. So right now, we have the child care crisis, uh, a lot of people have fled that industry and gone into other things. And so we need child care workers, Child Watch, and we need drivers to get these families to be able to drop off their kids in the morning and pick them up in the afternoon. So those are just a couple opportunities out of many that I can tell you about at the back table. And just wanna say again, thank you, Jason. Thank you, everyone in your life downtown. You're making a big difference in this city.
3: Thank you, Matthew. Love you, man. We thank Matthew. I love what these guys are doing. So if you want to find out more about Mary's home, about the Women's Medical Clinic, or ask him uh, about the forthcoming uh, project on some trauma-informed daycare that they're working on, uh, hopefully in the next couple of years and other things that they're doing, please stop by the table after the service. We're going to now turn our attention to our tithes and our offerings to giving and to receiving the word. Uh, if you're here, there's four ways that you can give. You can give online or via the app. If you're giving online or the app, please make sure you select New Life Downtown as your congregation of choice. If you're sitting here going, but I want to give to Dream Centers as well, that same place, if you go and do the drop-down menu, there's a place there that you can give to Dream Centers of Colorado Springs. Uh, And if you're thinking about year-end giving and looking for a place to say, hey, the Lord has blessed me in some unusual ways this year. I have extra and I'm looking for a place to give that. You can give it there to Dream Centers or to our downtown facility fund as we continue to look for a permanent place uh, for us. The other giving can go on the mail uh, or in the box out in the lobby. Now let's take a moment to quiet our hearts as we hear the word of God together this morning.
5: Good morning. My name is David. The Old Testament reading is found in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 4. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done how he had killed all Baal's prophets with the sword. Jezebel Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah with this message. May the gods do whatever they want to me if by this time tomorrow I haven't made your life like the life of one of them. Elijah was terrified. He got up and ran for his life he arrived at Beersheba in Judah left his assistant there he himself went further on into the desert a day's journey he finally sat down under a solitary broom bush he longed for his own death it's more than enough lord take my life because i'm no better than my ancestors the word of the lord
1: hello my name is dan the new testament reading is found in philippians 1 27 through 30 most important live together in a manner worthy of christ's gospel do this whether i come and see you or i'm absent and hear about you Do this so that you stand firm, united in one spirit and mind as you struggle together to remain faithful to the gospel. That way, you won't be afraid of anything your enemies do. Your faithfulness and courage are a sign of their coming destruction and your salvation, which is from God. God has generously granted you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but also of suffering for Christ's sake. You are having that same struggle that you saw me face, and now hear that I am still facing. The word of the Lord.
6: Thank you for standing for the gospel reading. My name is Ruth, and I am reading from Luke five thirteen through 16. Jesus reached out his hand, touched him, and said, I do want to. Be clean. Instantly, the skin disease left him. Jesus ordered him not to tell anyone. Instead, Jesus said, Go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses instructed. This will be a testimony to them. News of him spread even more, and huge crowds gathered to listen and to be healed from their illnesses. But Jesus would withdraw to deserted places for prayer. The Gospel of the Lord.
3: Please remain standing with me as we pray today, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is true of us, that we have heard the good news about Jesus, and that's why we've gathered. We've heard the news about you. We've heard about who you are and what you have done and what you continue to do and what you are going to do, and we ask today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that your news would continue to go forth in our lives, that your work would continue in our lives, that your Spirit would do the miraculous in our lives, that you would heal us, that you would set us free, that you would restore us and redeem us and strengthen us in every way imaginable. Spirit of the living God, come and move among us as we hear the news about you and about your people. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's great to see you this morning, New Life Downtown. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone watching online. And again, thank you if you are new or newer or visiting today, maybe this is your first time Thank you for being here. We would love uh, for you to join us right after the service. A block north and a block west of here, we have a little mid-sized meeting space. We have a free lunch uh, for anyone who's new or newer today. We'd love uh, for you to join us. And congregation, I wanna commission you once again, if this is your home church, if you're like New Life Downtown is who I am a part of and you see someone around you you haven't met before, you are officially commissioned to introduce yourself after the service, encourage uh, them to get involved some way, tell them about your youth group or your meal group, the youth group, the uh, team that you serve on, anything that's going on, help them uh, get connected. Uh, And One other just really quick announcement before I forget, uh, we do have our first worship and prayer night this week. Uh, So on Thursday night at 6.30 at Switchback Stadium, like there's uh, an indoor room there on the second or third level that we've rented out to have a night of worship and prayer together 6.30 to 8 o'clock. We have just... Just two weeks left in this series that we've been in all fall called Kings and Kingdoms as we've been walking through First Kings together. So this week and next week, the week after that, the week after Thanksgiving, Pastor Brock, our youth pastor, will be preaching on Christ the King Sunday. And then it's Advent. Advent and Christmas are almost here. Some of you have been asking about Christmas Eve. What is our plan? We will be here for Christmas Eve at two and at four. It is a Sunday, but we're going to keep with our normal Christmas. Christmas Eve times, so 2 and 4 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Today in First Kings, we're picking up the story of the prophet Elijah in chapter 19, so if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, you can open it up, chapter 19, this is right on the heels of chapter 18, which is one of the more famous passages in this book, where it features the showdown at the O.K. Carmel uh, between Elijah, and, yeah, some of you got that one, uh, between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. This is really the first ever fire-making challenge, uh, pre-survivor. There was a challenge to say, let's see whose God can make fire. Yahweh answers, Baal does not. And the people of Israel all sort of turn their hearts back to God. They start screaming, Yahweh is God, Yahweh is God. So we have this huge sort of turn of events, a declaration or redeclaration of faith from the people of Israel. And then all of the prophets of Baal are killed. Uh, That's a complicated and unsettling passage. At some point, we'll do a longer series or maybe a Saturday where we talk about violence in the Old Testament, but we're not going to cover that one today. Uh, Ahab, on the other hand, he doesn't get caught up in that. Instead, uh, Ahab doesn't die. He gets a free meal um, and the rain that he's been waiting for and a ride home. So Ahab goes from Carmel back to Samaria where Jezebel is waiting for him him. And he comes home after a long day at the office and begins to tell her about his day. And she is less than thrilled about the news of what has happened. Jezebel has been the forerunner of moving Israel into this place of full idolatry, of worshiping other gods. And she's so upset about what happens that she sends Elijah a death threat. Things get really dark really fast. We have this quick and sudden turn where everything seems to be great. And then all of a sudden, there's a devastating letdown. Not a beautiful letdown for you switchback fans or switchfoot fans. Uh, I get the two confused now, switchbacks and switchfoot. You know, it's kind of, they're right there. This, this devastating letdown. We're here in chapter 18, right after this showdown, it seems like finally everything is turning Israel is turning back to God. Perhaps even Ahab and Jezebel will repent. The thing that Elijah's been hoping for and waiting for, the thing that we've been waiting for in the text for king after king after king, from Jeroboam all the way down, wondering when will Israel, when will the northern kingdom turn their hearts back to God? And finally, in this moment, it happens, and almost immediately, it goes back to a worse scenario. And Elijah hears the news that Jezebel's put out a hit on him, and he's defeated. He's exhausted. He's alone, and he's terrified. Have you ever been there? Had a moment where you were waiting for something to happen in your life. Maybe something you've been praying for, hoping for, for a really long time. And it seemed like finally things are breaking the right way. Finally, it seems like there's some momentum happening. I've been waiting for this. I've been working for this. I've been praying for this. And it seems like the tide has turned. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like it crashed back the other direction in just a moment. How often in our lives did those moments come right on the heels of some big moment, right on the heels of some big breakthrough, on the heels of some like, oh, I finally had this moment with God that I've been waiting for, and then now I feel so devastated. The last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, the role of the church in resisting evil while it remains in the world. And then last, we talked about the role of the church of remaining as a faithful presence in faithless places. The truth is, none of those things are easy. And as we live our lives faithful to Jesus in this world, we will take some hits. But what do we do when hard things happen? What do we do when we find ourselves in similar moments like Elijah where we thought we had breakthrough and instead we feel defeated and exhausted and alone and terrified and going, what do we do now? What do we do when hard things happen? Whether that's a difficult experience or maybe even difficult emotions or both. So the truth is life is incredibly unpredictable. Those things are going to happen Life with God is not always up and to the right. Life with God is not always just one trajectory of onto glory, onto glory, onto glory, without any sort of difficulty or hardship in the middle. That life is too unpredictable. Humanity is too complex, and the following Jesus is way too adventurous for that. There's going to be other moments, but it's in these hard moments, in really difficult places. That I believe that our life with God and our life with others can deepen in ways that we never thought imaginable. That when we walk through hard things, it's an opportunity for our roots in God to go deeper. To discover new sources of water. And to find that those new roots and those new sources begin to produce new growth in our lives. New moments of breakthrough. New moments of maturity. So the question that we wrestle with is not how do we prevent all of difficulties from happening in life. That would be to sort of live in an isolated bubble with no relationships with anybody. That's not God's will for us. Instead, if we're trying to figure out how to eliminate all of those things, we're going to fail. But the better question is what do we do when that happens? And Elijah in this passage becomes a surprising model for us of how it is that we can respond when hard things happen. It says this in verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 3. Elijah was terrified, and he got up, and he ran for his life, and he arrived at Beersheba in Judah, and he left his assistant there, and he himself went farther into the desert a day's journey. And finally, he sat down under a solitary broom brush, and he longed for his own death. He said, God, this is enough. It's more than enough. I can't keep doing this. Take my life because I am no better than my ancestors. The first thing that Elijah does when he comes across this incredibly difficult thing is that he retreats. He runs for the hills and he finds this broom bush in the deserts. In the Old Testament, we find these bushes appear every once in a while. They're good for shade. In the middle of the, the sort of sun beating down, the tree can be used for fire, to keep warm, for fuel in the night. Even the roots can be eaten, but Job tells us they don't taste very good. So he runs away, he retreats, and he finds a safe place, and he prays. And he doesn't pray the most inspiring prayer, <laughs>
7: right? This
3: is raw, and it's real. He's had it. He's spent He's given what feels like everything, and he believes that he's failed. Just like so many before him, he too has failed to turn Israel's heart back to God. And the first thing he does is he gets away, and he gets honest. When hard things happen to us, we have to get away and get honest with God. That we have to have regular moments, rhythms in our lives where we are getting away for the sole purpose of being with God. And in those moments, we have to be really honest. Now, I know some of you grew up in like charismatic Pentecostal traditions where you're like, we don't go on retreats. We only go on advances. Uh, That's that's. That's great. That's great. Uh, I'm really glad. Um, But I would like to point out you still went away um, to do that. (laughs) So, whatever you want to call it a retreat or advance, I don't care. It's about going away (laughs) to be with God. And when we do that, we're following the pattern set for us by Jesus. Jesus withdrew often to deserted places in order to pray. He did so in our gospel reading after this sort of miraculous high moment where crowds are gathering around him and he heals people and more and more and more people are coming. And what does Jesus do? He says, in the middle of this, I need to get away to be with the Father and to pray. And he does it in his moments of greatest grief. When he hears the news about his cousin John the Baptist being killed, what does he do? He deserts. He finds He retreats, he goes away to a deserted place, a lonely place to pray. If Jesus needed to do this in the highest and the lowest moments of his life, how much more do we need to find places and times where we go away to be with God and in those moments How much more do we need to be honest with him about what is going on? Elijah was gone for a total of 40 days. Most of us don't have that kind of PTO uh, where we can just be like, sorry, I got to get away. I'll be back in a month and a half. uh, And I hope everything is okay. But we can take a day or a half a day or even an hour and get away. We can find moments to do that regularly. And these are not a day to get away, to finish projects or to hit the slopes or binge crime or cooking shows, whatever is your pleasure, or to listen to Taylor Swift's version of 1989 for the 95th time. That is not what the day set apart is for. It's a day to get away for the sole purpose of being with God and for getting honest. And I know for many of us, it's really hard to get honest in prayer where you feel like if I'm honest, if I pray prayers like Elijah just said and I'm really honest about what's going on inside of me, I'm afraid that God might reject me. But what the gospel tells us over and over again is that God is not put off by our humanity. He put it on. He's not put off by it. He put it on. He willingly humbled himself and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He knows what it is like to be human and he is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. We can get honest with him because he knows already. There's no hiding from him. There's no secrets from him. We have to need to go away and to get honest with God. The next part is probably my favorite moments in this story. Elijah goes away and he prays this one prayer. Right? He's like, "God, I just can't do it anymore." And then the next thing we see is this. It says he lay down unslept. <laughs> I'm done, God. And then he lays down, and he sleeps under this broom brush, and then suddenly a messenger taps him and says, get up and eat something. Elijah opened his eyes, and he saw flatbread baked on glowing coals made with some pepperoni and cheese on it or uh, something from there, and there's this jar of water right by his head, and he ate, and he drank, and then He went back to sleep, and then the Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him and said, get up and eat something, because you have a difficult road ahead of you. And Elijah got up, and he ate, and he drank, and he was refreshed by that food for 40 days and 40 nights as he went to Horeb, to God's mountain. Elijah prays one short prayer, and then he falls asleep. (laughs) I remember reading this story and feeling like, this is so freeing to me. There was a moment, like early on in my freshman year in college, where I was beginning to realize how much of um, I was pretending to be happy. To be pretending to be extrovert, pretending to be like the life of the party and the center of things. And really all of that was coming out of my own insecurities, my deep wounds, my deep pain and going, I don't want to be rejected by another group of people. I don't want to feel that again. So I'm going to sort of wear these masks to try to figure out how to fit in. And I felt the Lord inviting me to take some time on Friday nights and to stay in, to stay in my dorm room and to worship and to pray. There's this kind, gentle invitation to worship and pray was really about dozing and drooling. Like, it would not be long before I fell asleep and woke up in a puddle of drool on my Bible. Just just going there and you're like, well, that didn't go so well. Maybe I should have gone to the movies with my friends. But here, Elijah is at this moment. He prays this prayer, and then he, he falls asleep. And when he wakes up, he has something to eat and drink. And, of course, then we expect, well, now that he's had a nap and he's had something to eat and drink, surely he's going to pray some more. Nope. He goes back to sleep again. And then we're like, oh, and then he wakes up. Well, now he's going to pray some more. Nope. He eats some more instead. Pastor Brady, our senior pastor of New Life, says, never underestimate the power of a nap and a snack. When hard things happen, we need to receive the rest and the refreshments that we need. We need this. But so many times we feel like we need to resist it or that we regret it. I can't tell you how many times I just felt regret about falling asleep in prayer. But rest and refreshment are God's gifts to us. Rest is a gift. Food is a gift. Water is a gift. To be human is to be both spirit or soul and body. To be human is to be the mysterious union of the immaterial, that which we cannot see, and the material. To be human is to be part breath of God and part dust of the earth. That's what it means to be human. We are not just spirits or souls like angels we are not just bodies like animals. We are both. We are embodied spirit. Our bodies are not a temporary inconvenience like, oh, we just got to deal with this thing. No, God made us with bodies in the creation. And when we read the new creation, guess what? We have bodies. We are always meant to be embodied people. Our physical needs then matter. And failure to tend to them has a significant negative impact on our life with God. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's really hard to pray when you're tired. <laughs> it's really hard to hear the voice of God when you're famished, when you're thirsty. Unless, of course, you're fasting, then that's a different thing altogether, but you know, we'll talk about that later. But Parker Palmer put it this way, said, self-care is never a selfish act. It's simply good stewardship of the one gift that I have. My life, my life is an embodied life. Receive the rest and refreshment that you need. Some of you might leave here today and feel like, oh, I just, I need to go somewhere and pray. That may be true. That may be what God's inviting you to do. It may also mean that you need to go home and take a nap and have some breakfast first and then take another nap and eat a little bit more. And then, maybe then, You can go, Evan feels it, at least today. We know know where Evan's going. And the next section of the story is perhaps the most well-known. Elijah goes from this moment, he travels to Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. Both names are being used in the Old Testament. So he goes to Mount Sinai. He doesn't go to just anywhere. He goes to the one place that he knows that God has shown up really dramatically in the life of his people. He goes there. And the word of the Lord comes to him and says, what are you doing here? (laughs) Why Why are you here? And then Elijah recounts Israel's idolatry and the murder of the prophets. And he says, when I'm the only one left, I am now all alone. And guess what, God? They are coming for me. And the Lord says, go out and stand at the foot of the mountain before the Lord. For the Lord is passing by. So Elijah goes out, comes out of this cave, and he stands at the foot of this mountain, on the the mountain at the, the entrance of the cave. And he's waiting for God to pass by, tired, alone, Exhausted and all of a sudden this huge strong wind comes up out of nowhere and tears through the mountain and breaks apart the stones before the Lord. It's like, yes, God's here. And then the very next statement is, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And so after the wind, there was an earthquake. Everything starts shaking, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire. God just showed up in fire in this last chapter he prays for it. It says, fire come, fire comes. Now it happens again. It says, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound, thin and quiet. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his coat, whatever he was wearing. And he stood out at the cave's entrance. And a voice came to him with that same question, why are you here, Elijah. This is shocking. He's at Mount Sinai. He's at the place where Moses went up to meet with God in the most dramatic way, where there was smoke and there was fire. The Lord descended. Elijah is expecting this. He goes there thinking, I'm going to have another theophany, the descent of God coming to earth in dramatic ways. And then all of a sudden there's wind. He's like, This has got to be it. Nope. Earthquake, this is it. God's showing up. Nope fire, just like last time. Surely this is it. Nope. God wasn't in any of them. Instead, he was in in a sound that this translation says, thin and quiet. It's a contradiction, a, a quiet sound. What do we do with this? Other translations say gentle whisper. Others say still, small voice. Some say the sound of sheer silence because the translators were listening to Simon and Garfunkel as they were going along. They are like, this is the sound of silence. Hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) But whatever it is, it's calm and it's silent. See, when hard things happen, we need to get away with God and get honest with God and receive the rest and refreshment that we need. And then we're called to look for God in the quiet to look for God in the quiet, Silence and solitude are essential to a life with God. If we want to have a robust relationship with Jesus, silence and solitude are going to be essential. As much now if, if, as ever, maybe in the history of the church, where there is so much noise and so much busyness and so much distraction and so much going on all of the time, we must get away to be with God and then to listen and look for God in the quiet. We need moments where we can let the world go quiet around us and our souls, to let them become quiet within us. Times to get away, to turn off our devices, to distance ourselves from our responsibilities, and to get quiet without, and get quiet within, and ask the Lord to show up in the sound of thin silence. And the Lord said to him in that moment, go back through the desert to Damascus, and anoint Hazael, the king of Aram, and also anoint Jehu, Nimshi's son, king of Israel, and anoint Elisha from uh, Abel-Maloach. and Shabbat's son, and to succeed you as a prophet. And whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. But I have preserved those who remain in Israel, totaling 7,000, all those whose knees haven't bowed down to Baal and those whose mouths haven't kissed him. At this moment, Yahweh recommissions Elijah. In the moment of the quiet, his, He is running from the hard thing that has happened. God meets with him and he says, you're not done yet. This isn't over. And he gives him three tasks. Those three tasks will result in the end of Ahab's reign. Not the end of Elijah, the end of Ahab. And then he ever so graciously in this moment, he kind of slides this in. He deals with Elijah's self-pity. He says, oh, and by the way, I know you think you're alone, but there are 7,000 more of you, (laughs) and I'm raising up another to follow you. I'm raising up another to succeed you. So when hard things happen, we need to get away and get honest. We need to receive rest and refreshment. We need to look for God in the quiet, but at some points, we need to go back. We need to return and remember that we're not alone. Remember that we're not alone in the situation we find ourselves in. There are times that we need to get away, but we cannot stay there. That's not our call. As we've said the last couple of weeks, there is good for us to do in Jesus' name. We have been called to this place and to these people, and we've been entrusted with the good news of the gospel. And yet, all of the work that we're commissioned to do is hard. The struggle is real. As Paul said in our New Testament reading, he said, We struggle in the gospel. Yahweh reminded Elijah of this. He knows, I know that it's hard, but we do not struggle alone. We struggle together, and we struggle with Jesus. It is so easy for us to believe that we're the only one, right? To have moments where you think, I'm the only person that is going through this. I'm the only person that thinks about this. I'm the only person that sees this as a problem. I'm the only person that cares about this thing that's really important. I'm the only one who's carrying what I'm carrying. And there are certainly differences and there are certainly uniquenesses in all of our stories and all of our calls. But when we begin to focus only on those, rather than what we have in common in humanity and more importantly in Christ, we begin to isolate ourselves and our self-pity becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that we find ourselves truly alone and unable to see the 7,000 people that the Lord has connected us with to come alongside and to help us and to strengthen us. This is why when when we come to the table every single Sunday, that we come out of our isolated places. We come to Jesus and we come to him together as Jen and uh, the band come forward as Sarah comes to lead us to the table. This is that moment That we are like, okay, this, we're getting honest with God about what's going on inside of us. We're getting honest about what we need and what we feel. And we're getting away. We're coming to Jesus. We're coming to the table to receive all of the refreshment and restoration that we need. We're coming because we so desperately want to hear the voice of God in the middle of these moments. But we're coming that we might be sent back out. And we're coming that we might be reminded in this moment as we come to the table together that we are not alone, that we have been set in community, that those that are around you are God's gift to you, and you are God's gift to those that are around you. Please do not isolate yourself. Lean in. Lean into community in every way. Look for ways that you can make contributions and receive all the contributions of others and find that God meets us in community and strengthens us for the work that we have to do.
8: I'm struck by what a privilege it is for us to be partaking in communion together because there are so many. Not that this isn't offered, but because there's some sort of isolation or <clears throat> some sort of a place where people are they don't know Jesus or they're feeling like, I have, I have no other option but myself. And every single Sunday, we are fed by Jesus. Our souls are nourished by him. So yes, it is humbling that we need mercy in the first place, but at the same time, what an honor to be loved by him in this way, to receive his power and then to go out with it, to carry it with us into the world. So I remind us again of the beautiful privilege we have to come to Jesus' table. He is the true king of the world, the best, our only hope. And all of us here are welcome to receive from this table, regardless of your church background or affiliation. If you do not believe or trust in Jesus as the king of the world, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for coming. We're so glad that you're here and encourage you to keep coming, keep asking questions about this Jesus and what it means to be a follower of him. And if you are ready To begin following Jesus today, we invite you to join with us as we pray a prayer, confessing our sin, asking for forgiveness, for mercy, putting our trust and hope in him again for salvation. Pray with me. The words are on the screen. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, Words that are true, not because I'm saying them, but because of what God has done. So would you open up your hands and receive again the mercy of God. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, and this proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. As those who have been raised to new life with Jesus, please stand, greet those around you, and share the peace that you have in Jesus with one another. As we come back together, the words to our liturgy will be on the screen. Jesus is here. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, it is a good, it's a joyful thing to give thanks to you, Father Almighty. For you formed us in your image. You breathed your life into us. And when our love failed... Your love remained steadfast. When we were unfaithful, you sent your son to be faithful on our behalf. On the night that he was going to be handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And after he had blessed it, he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the cup of wine and after he had given thanks, he gave it to them and he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so God, in remembrance of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we proclaim together this mystery of our faith. Christ has died and Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. This table is a place of remembrance, and it's also a place of encounter. Let's sing this prayer together this morning, asking the Holy Spirit to meet us here. invite the servers to come forward. We're going to be receiving together in just a minute. I want to remind you that these are the gifts of God. They're given for us, the people of God. So as you receive them, receive them remembering that Jesus loves you, that he died for you, that he's alive and his spirit lives within you. Receive them with great thanksgiving putting your trust in him again. If this is your first time here, you can scan the QR code that's gonna be on the screen for some instructions, or you can just watch what everyone else is doing. If you're unable to come forward this morning, please just ask someone around you to bring some elements back to you. Let's worship together as we come to the table.
1: strength within the sorrow there is beauty in our tears And you meet us in our mourning with the love that casts out fear, plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. Passionate and kind, you surround and you uphold me, and your promises are my delight. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. fulfilled i
8: So good to be with you this morning, church. Don't forget if you've got any questions about Dream Centers or Mary's home that Matthew's out in the lobby, and that this Thursday that our congregation is gathering together for a night of worship and prayer at a room in Switchback Stadium at 6.30 this Thursday, 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Hope to see you there. Um, And now, may I bless you as we go. May you be blessed in the power of the Spirit, the love of Jesus, the creativity and care of the fathers, you go from here, to both receive rest and refreshment for your own soul, but also to offer that same things to, other, that same thing to others as they come before you needing Jesus in their lives. I pray that you would be loved well by God this week, so that you can love others. Go in peace. We'll see you hopefully this Thursday and again next Sunday.